All right. Thank you, guys. A couple of you guys weren't listening to Paxton, and you're like, did he forget to go down? What's going on here? He plays guitar. He doesn't speak. Um, I'm definitely honored to be up here. I want to start with that. I want to thank Jim for uh, allowing me to be here. If this is your first time, I'm not the normal preacher, so don't expect this level of quality every week. <laughs> I have to get a couple of those in so when Jim listens on the podcast, he can get a good laugh out of it. Um, so if you were here, was anybody here the last time I spoke on the Uversion app and all that? Okay. We are in luck. I've done a lot of uh, speaker training and a lot of public speaking since then. Uh, at the end of August, I was up in Chicago and actually spoke for 200 minutes on uh, marketing and accounting firm, which is about as exciting as it sounds. So I'm figuring, you know, with something like this that I'm actually interested in, I should be able to do, you know, three, 400 minutes easy. So just, you know, hang on as second service comes in. We'll just have them sit down. They'll be fine. So um, what I started out with, uh, when Jim originally asked me to speak, probably maybe July or so, um, we'll come back to that. This got delayed a couple of times for different reasons. But, um, you know, uh, one of the things I was really dealing with was a lot of times my feelings didn't really reflect um, the truth, I guess is the best way for me to say it. It didn't really reflect, um, you know, what I had in my life, you know, I'm extremely lucky. I've got a great job. I've got um, a wife of uh, 10 years, uh, two great kids, all this kind of stuff, nothing to complain about, but really found myself feeling, um, you know, anxious, depressed, upset, angry, sad, all these kind of things. And I actually just kind of took an inventory this week even of kind of the feelings that I felt going through. It was I've got depressed, joyful, curious, tired, exhausted, lost, inadequate, overwhelmed, happy, sad, love, hate, disgust. That's just this week. So it's it's fun times living up here sometimes, right? Um, so that's why I came up with this uh, title because it just didn't really reflect what was truly going on in my life. And I was having problems. I was trying to work through it and figure out What's, what's the disconnect? And I was listening to this book, Victory Over the Darkness, and um, he really illuminated that it's not just, if we let our feelings run our lives, then we're going to end up in a bad spot a lot of times. And he said, I'm quoting, so this is not exactly, but he said, you can't feel your way to good action. You have to act your way to good feeling. And that really kind of, I was, I was mowing the grass. I can remember exactly where I was at. I was listening to it on Audible. And I just stopped and thought, wait, what? Rewound it, listened to it two or three more times. And that really got my wheels turning on, on this message. And um, so the other thing, you guys know, well, some of you guys know, I'm a math person. I have a degree in math. And uh, so super nerdy, really numbers person. I'm an accountant now, as I just said. So a lot of times in my brain, I'm thinking in terms of formulas. And 
a lot of times we like to say, well, God doesn't work by formulas, blah, blah, blah. It sounds good. But in a way, he does, right? Because he lays out in his word, if you do this, I'll do this. You know, if you're faithful, if you're obedient, I'll do this. Um, and so that's what I wanted to talk about is two very different, distinct formulas. They're actually opposite formulas. And I want you to walk out of here understanding that the choices you make can greatly impact your life. Not only how you feel, but I want you to understand who you are as well. And that's something that I know Paxton spoke on, Mike spoke on it, Sam spoke on it all this year. All these guest speakers, there's a recurring theme, I think. And I think that's because God wants to get that through to us. So, first of all, first formula, the world, this is some killer graphics, guys, I'm telling you what. I'm expecting some sort of award for this. I'm not sure what, what you would even get for that, but if you're on the podcast, you're really missing out. This is like, you know, 4K, 3D stuff. So what I've got here is <clears throat> the world's formula, right? The world's formula tells us that our feelings influence our actions or our choices, which influence who we are. That's a little ID card if, if you're... You know, let me catch you up, right? And so maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know if the world does that or not. Well, let me show you a couple of examples. So do what you feel. You've all heard that, right? If it feels good, it's right. It was not very hard to find a quote reflecting that. Always do whatever you feel is right. Well, I don't know about you guys, but if I always did whatever I feel is right, I'd be... Divorced with no children in jail, probably. <laughs> you know? So my boss definitely wouldn't like it on certain days when it gets stressful. So what about this one? You do you, boo-boo, right? Right? Do you. Just do you. Is that true? God doesn't want us to do us. Jesus always did what the Father told him. Then we got YOLO, right? This is one of my favorites. Jesus right here. YOLO, LOL, JK, BRB. Jesus. YOLO totally defeats the purpose of being born again, right? We're born physically alive but spiritually dead. Then we become spiritually alive when we're born again. Then we physically die but we're still spiritually alive. So I don't know how many times that is. That's more than that's a bunch, a bunch of times. And then here's another example. You see this? Go on, Eve, eat the apple. God said not to. He said YOLO. She said K L O L. <laughs> right? And that that's funny. And I I love these little memes or whatever you call them nowadays. Whatever you kids call it. And um. Um. This is really what gets us in trouble, though. We think, well, we only, we only got one shot at this thing. We're just going to go for it. And then you realize, oh, that really messed a lot of things up when I ate that apple, right? So that's the world's formula. And I think probably you guys could all agree that that formula doesn't, 
doesn't work very well a lot of times. So if that's the case, what does God have to say about this, right? Because if I just went through a bunch of cool memes and stuff like that, and then y'all walked out and felt happy and everything, that wouldn't, wouldn't be very relevant for what we're doing today. We need to refer back to Scripture. So this is the same example that he used in that book. But listen to this. It says, the Lord said to Cain, what's wrong with you? Why do you look so angry? If you had done the right thing, you would be smiling. Take that in for a second. But you did the wrong thing, and now sin is waiting to attack you like a lion. Sin wants to destroy you, but don't let it. So our world formula would say, if you feel good, do a good thing. If you feel bad, do a bad thing. But this says, if you had done the right thing, you would be smiling. If you had made the right choice, you would feel good about it. So that seems to be in direct opposition to the formula that the world gives us, right? So if that's the case, then surely God is going to give us a formula to live by that's his plan, right? So let's see what that is. Oh, that's a hint that that's a bad plan, by the way. It's just, a, you know, it's very subtle. So God's plan says we let our identity influence our choices, and our choices then influence our feelings. Second subtle reference that the bottom one's probably a better plan to follow. So it's simple, right? We just pull our ID card out and we make good choices and then we're boy, we're good to go then, right? No? Not exactly. Not exactly, right? Um so that's why I've got these props. Does everybody have their cards? Hold them up. If you already threw them away, you failed the test for today. Anybody missing one? Everybody should have two cards. If you don't, put your hand up and maybe uh, Mike and, or Andrew or somebody. I've got a box right here. If y'all could get anybody who's missing some a card. They're all the same, yeah. Or EP, that'd be great, yeah, if you could help out too. Okay. So how does God's formula work? If you left here and I just left you with that last graphic, that wouldn't be very helpful, would it? You just get frustrated when you kept choosing the same formula over and over again because there would be no tools for you to use to follow the other formula. Um, so that's why you have these cards. These cards are not meant to take the place of you reading your Bible or doing your quiet time or any of that kind of stuff. Don't go home and tell, you know, Pastor Jim at the diner that I told you you can just have this card and not read the Bible anymore. But, um, I want to take a second. Aren't these cards cool? They got the rays printed, all that. Well, actually, Tim made these for me. And this is kind of a, I'm going to give you, you husbands a kind of a tip. If you don't want to do something, just do it sort of lackluster. 
and then your wife will come in and do it correctly, and she'll eventually ask you to stop doing it. That's exactly, me and Tim are kind of like church, wife, husband kind of thing. So I made, I made a version of this card, and I sent it to him. I said, boy, isn't this cool, whatever? And he said, yeah, it's, it's fine. Why don't you just send me what you want on the card, and then I'll, you know, see if I can't help you out there. He was very subtle with his, by saying that my card wasn't good enough, but that was fine because this card is way better than ours. And just real quick, I knew Tim had a talent for graphic design because a number of years back, he sent me this picture that he had made. <laughs> Look at this. When I got this, this is when I knew that Tim had a talent for this. So anyway, back to uh, our cards. So really, if you look, it's got two sides, right? So the front's got all our information on it, when our services are, where we're at, our purpose, which is something that um, between Tim and Jim, they're going to start integrating more into our identity as a church represent, respond, restore, reach, and risk. But then the other side is really what relates to this uh, talk today. And it's just um, a couple things about you. And I say you, not me, because if you're in Christ, these apply to you, each and every one of you. And then there's a scripture reference that goes with this piece of your identity so obviously normally you're going to be reading this so you'd say I am but I'm going to say you are a child of God you are loved you are royalty you are valuable you are free you are a temple you are powerful and you are holy those that's the truth right um we'll talk about how the devil tries to distort what our identity is, and he tries to, he kind of comes at you with facts, but God's coming at you with truth, right? And you sort of think those are the same, but they're not. They're not the same. So there's so many other things. This is just a brief sample, obviously. You're you are more than a conqueror. You are not alone. You are beautiful. You are redeemed. You are generous. You are kind. You are not afraid. Right? Not only that, God has a name just for you if you look in Revelation when he talks about the white stone. I highly recommend you to read into that. Uh, I think it's like 217. Read into that. God has a personal name just for you. Maybe sometimes, um, you know, your name has a lot of context, a lot of history tied to it. But the same way God renamed Jacob, you know, all of a sudden he's not Jacob the deceiver. He's Israel, a nation. So don't you think when God talked to him and he said, hey, Israel, that had a different context than when he said, hey, Jacob, Right? So pray into that. In that same book, he's, the Victory Over the Darkness, he said, um, 
you can't make a name better than the one God gave you, which I thought was pretty powerful as well. Um, so when we talk about this, I mean, it probably stirs up, you're like, I've kind of heard something like this before, right? Well, that's because it's the same old spirit versus flesh conflict that we're always in. The flesh is what gives you those feelings, you know, those urges, those desires, those different things. And feelings aren't bad. I'm not demonizing feelings. You should definitely pay attention to your feelings. They're always a sign of something. Just a lot of times they're not a sign of what we think they are a sign of, right? You come home, you yell at your kids or your wife. Or you, is that because you're mad at them? Probably not. It's probably some other thing that you need to figure out. But what I'm saying here is that's the flesh, whereas the spirit, if you've accepted Jesus and the spirit lives within you, that's your identity. You have a new identity. You're made new. And so we have to believe that we have the spirit in us. And if you really take a minute to grasp that, it's almost too much to take that God thought enough of you to send himself to live inside of you, right? It's almost hard to get our head around, but it, it's true, again. So here's the facts. So when we're choosing this formula, it's a little misleading because you can't choose the whole formula one or the other. Because we can't control, really, our feelings, can we? If we did, we'd all be happy all the time. I mean, there'd be no problems, right? Um, and though we think we can, in reality, we can't control our identity either. Because really, it's a choice. Once you make the choice to accept Jesus, your identity's set. All these things are true on this card about you, regardless of whether you think they are or not. You don't control that one bit. The only thing you control is those choices. So we have to choose, are we going to act based on our feelings or are we going to act based on our identity? Okay? That's the choice. When you leave here, when you walk out of these doors, that's the choice that you have each and every day, each and every hour, each and every minute. So when you think about the things on this card, you may feel like an orphan, but the fact is you're a child of God. The truth is you're a child of God. It may be factual that you are an orphan, but the truth is that you're a child of God. So are you going to act based on your history and your the what the world tells you and how you feel or are you going to act on the truth when you act on the truth though sometimes the timing may not be how we want it to be your feelings will then eventually reflect what your identity is now is it all sunshine and rainbows no it's not in the world we will have trouble right but Christ has overcome the world so that's the joy that we, we have. Um, so 
Does anybody believe that God's timing is perfect? Some people like to say that God's never late. I don't, Lazarus may not agree with that, but his timing is perfect. So I'm reading two books right now. One of them is called Core 52 with by Mark Moore, which is great. It's uh, divided into 52 weeks. It goes over a different topic from the Bible each week, and it has like a little essay. You um, read a certain passage. You memorize a verse. And it's five days a week, 15 minutes a day. So I'm only like a week behind at this point. So, um, But I was reading this week, and the, uh, the topic for this week, so obviously I didn't plan out when I started reading it. I didn't plan when I was going to speak. I speak when Jim makes me. And uh, this week is called Chasing Happiness, right? And I thought, oh, I better pay attention to this. And then I'm reading this other book by Mark Manson, which I will not say the title because I will not be asked back if I say it. But you can Google it and find it if you're of appropriate age and your parents tell you it's okay. But it's, it's not a bad book. It's just the title's got some profanity in it. But that book was it either last night or the night before I was reading it, they both mentioned the same study about lottery winners and paraplegics. They studied lottery winners and paraplegics over a certain time period, and after one year, their happiness was basically indistinguishable. Now that's a little shocking. Now, initially... Happiness was very different, of course. You won the lottery, you're ecstatic. You know, you're in a horrific accident, you're not. You're really down and out, depressed, all those kind of things. But after a year, they normalized. And that was so weird. And what the reality is, is that's because the, we're waiting on our circumstances to change a lot of times, right? A lot of us think, if I could get that raise... If I could buy that camper, if I could uh, put that pool in, oh, this is just my thing, sorry. Um, you know, if the Braves could not give up 10 runs in the first inning, all those sort of things go through your head, I'd be so much happier, right? Don't we all think that? But it's not true. The study would say that's not true. So how do we do it? Well, that's why we have to act out of our identity of who we are and understand that. We can't wait on circumstances to change. The other thing, so in the Core 52, they went through it, and they did a stu another study. And So genetics defines 50% of your happiness. That's obviously significant. But circumstances are only 10%. The other 40% is our choices that we make. So that's the only thing we control. So that's what we need to focus on. And he went through and even went to the different uh, hormones that we need that affect happiness. Oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin. Oxytocin, the example he gave, that's released through something like a handshake or a hug or something like that. So what does that tell me? Well, 
if we make the choices to be in the right relationships, we're going to be happier, right? Anybody agree with that? Certainly if we make the wrong uh, choices, I think we all know how that goes. Dopamine, one of the main ways dopamine is released is through meditation. So what that tells me is if we're able to meditate on something like Scripture, we're going to be happier, right? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Again, he, he, it's not a formula, but it sort of is. He gives us the tools. And then serotonin is released through significance. The main way we can receive significance knowing who we are is through serving. So right there, you know, uh, kind of a buzzword. It's like you're as happy as you choose to be, right? And in a way, that's true, but not in the way that most people mean it. If you're in the middle of the storm and this and that, you can't just say, I'm going to be happy today, you know? That would be really strange anyway. But if we choose to be in the right relationship, if we choose to get still in the presence of God, if we choose to serve, we will be happier. So in effect, we will be as happy as we choose to be, but it's not in the moment. It's over time. It's planned out. It's those choices we make, kind of when no one else is watching a lot of times, honestly. All right. That was my intro. No, I'm just <laughs> Okay, so y'all are saying, well, what do I do with these things? Why do I have two of them? I don't understand. You're like, this is a girl. You know, that's one of my favorites to send to people. Um, how does this work? Give me some more groundwork, right? We can leave that up for a while if y'all want. <laughs> Okay, there's a reason you have two cards. Card number one is called the Commission Carry Outer, which is definitely proper English when I use that. So the devil, again, these graphics, I'm telling you, if y'all are on the podcast, you're missing out. Tactic one, he has two tactics. That's why you have two cards. Tactic one is... He does not want you to know who you are. He does not want you to be listening to this right now. He does not want you to be here. He does not want you to have any idea what authority you have, how much you're loved, what power you have. If he can prevent you from knowing, he doesn't really have to fight you. Does that make sense? If you don't know you're a soldier then you're not going to make a big impact. So what does this mean? Action one, we're talking choices. Give it away. All right? That's another reason we have all the info on here. Someone's struggling. Could be another believer, could be not. Um, if you just can tell, and God will work through this if you trust him, if you can tell that someone doesn't really know who they are, if they don't believe these things plus all the other things beside them, this is an easy way 
slip them this card, say, hey, I was thinking about you. You know, I really would like to give you this um, because you mean a lot to me, right? You don't have to do some big speech and or do even do a bridge illustration or anything like that. Just easy. Give it to them. We printed a ton of these, so if you come back next week and you're like, man, I got three more people I want to give them to, let me know. We'll get more, right? Pastor Tim will get more for us. That's what I mean by that. I won't do I won't do anything. But Jesus, in Matthew 28, he said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to make disciples, we have to go, and really we have to tell people who they are sometimes or show them who they can be maybe is a better way to phrase it. So this card could be the start of that. Now, can you do it without the card? Yes, don't use that as an excuse. Well, I didn't have any cards, so I didn't say anything to anybody. Don't do that. Um, so that's tactic number one that our enemy tries to carry out. So card two is called the temptation thumper. You can tell I sort of value alliteration over it actually making sense sometimes. But the devil's second tactic is he's the author of confusion. John 8, 44, you belong to the fa your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies, a.k.a. he is a bad dude. Okay? Anything the devil speaks to you is a lie. Now, it, may, it can be very sophisticated where we'll see he will take anything he can work with and twist it, right? It may look like facts again, but it's not the truth. 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived, by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So, he wants to throw us off. He wants to confuse us, right? Especially if we know who we are, then his, he can't do the prevent you from knowing thing, so then he moves to the confusion piece. Think back to our Eve YOLO thing, which I'm sure is the first time that's ever been said from this stage. Um, Mike talked about this, and it blew my mind ever since he said it. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, now I believe this is the first thing the devil's ever said in Scripture. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, so this is one of the ways he lies to us. If we go back, and I'm going to read what God actually said in a second, it sounds sort of like what God said, 
But it's not what God said. God said, Genesis 2, 16, The Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So just real quick, devil says, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, no, it's not, it's not even close to what God said, really. God said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from one tree. That's a little bit different from, did God really say you must not eat from any tree? So that's an example. And he wants to do the same thing to you. He wants to say, well, you know, you made some bad choices back in the day. You know, you're an addict. You know, you're a, you're a pervert. You're a criminal. Yes. Exactly. And the thing is, there may be facts to support that in the world, the way the world would define it. They may, you may be able to go back and, and prove that. But those are facts. When you accept Jesus, all of a sudden, that supersedes whatever that was. It supersedes that identity. Now we're new. Now these things are what define you. So the devil wants to confuse you, think you're in another identity, so you're acting as if that's who you are, right? If you think you're an addict, you're going to act like an addict. If you think you're a criminal, you're going to act like a criminal. If you think you're an orphan, you're going to act like an orphan, right? If you think you're unloved, if you think you're worthless, if you think you're caged up if you think you're weak then you act like that but those things are not true they're not true when Jesus died on the cross that's what gives us that choice to come into his family when we come into his family we're redefined Right? Okay. So, action two, keep it with you. That's the reason this small, it's like a business card, it'll fit in your wallet. Why is that? Is the devil likely to attack you when you're sitting in your prayer closet with your eight Bibles and your concordance and all that stuff? I would say probably not. He, he may, but... If you were the devil, would you do that? That would be stupid. Like you're in the middle of this fortress, and he's like, I'm going to try to get in there. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to wait till you come out. You're out in the world. You're being affected by other people, you know. You're being affected by circumstances, all those sort of things. That's when he's going to strike. So with something like this, you can have it there with you anytime. And pull it out and just refresh yourself. I need I have to do it not daily but multiple times a day. And this is what's cool too. When we look in in the Bible, when people are tempted, there's a pattern where God reinforces their identity before they're tempted. So I'll show you a couple of examples. So 
1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11, he's talking about, that's where it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's where he talks about people have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He talks about a lot of kind of bad things. And so at the end of that passage, he says, but you, and so I'm talking to you, especially men here, but you, man of God, Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So he takes it, he reinforces the identity first, but you, man of God, that's who you are, man of God, flee from all this. Because if you're acting out of your identity as a man of God, you are going to flee from it. Then again, remember when Jesus was tempted? in the in the desert so to refer back to our confusion point satan even used scripture to tempt jesus right now it's interesting he left out a couple of pieces and he kind of moved it around and changed the context anybody ever done that to you well the bible says bob you know he'll never put more on you than you can handle and that's not true not what it says. More than you can handle without him. He'll never tempt you without a way out. All those kind of things. But be very careful when other people are using scripture out of context. In Matthew 3, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, so this is right before he was going out to be tempted. Right? Remember this? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, if your dad came up and said that to you, wouldn't you be ready to just run through a wall somewhere and just, you know, you'd be pumped up. The other thing here is, Jesus was obedient, made the right choice, right, to refer back. He made the choice to be baptized. Did he have to be baptized? I don't know. He's Jesus. He can kind of do whatever he wants, right? But the Father told him to be baptized, so he made a choice to be obedient. Then the Father reinforced his identity, and then he was ready to face the temptations that came against him. And so that's the formula that we have. If we're obedient, God reinforces our identity, then we're ready to go face the temptations. Otherwise, we're subject to our circumstances and our feelings and all those kind of things, and I can tell you firsthand that doesn't, that doesn't come out well. Um, so what do you guys think is more beneficial, either... A sermon or a testimony? Don't answer. That's a trick question. It's a sermon with a testimony as part of it. Um, you know, I was joking about Jim earlier, but the thing that makes Jim's sermon so real is he always uses his real life as part of it, right? And so I was thinking about that. And um, 
This talk got delayed twice, best I can remember, maybe more than that. It's a little bit of a whirlwind. But um, I had three different circumstances come up after it was delayed that really lend itself to this actual message. So I thought, that's not a coincidence. God wants me to talk about that. So before we leave, I want to show you some actual examples. So August 28th, I'm in Chicago. I just killed 200 minutes on accounting marketing. I mean, it was fantastic. No one passed out, so I counted that as a win. Uh, I uh, am at O'Hare Airport and getting ready to board. Well, you guys know I'm, I gotta have all my technology, so of course I've got my boarding pass on my phone. I'm going up, you guys are familiar, you go up, you scan it, you walk on. I go up to scan it, phone starts ringing. I look, Lindsay Miller, she's here. And uh, I said, well, no, this ain't a good time. Decline, scan it, walk down the tunnel, Lindsay calls back immediately. I thought, okay, this is probably something I should answer, right? And so she proceeds to tell me that Ava, my now three-year-old, then two-year-old, has had a seizure. Well, this is the funny part. She says, don't freak out, but Ava's had a seizure. She's unresponsive. They found her in the basement face down, motionless. Well, that whole don't freak out part was a little pushing it a little bit. And there's, there's so many other things I could say just about this story. But here's what I, I want to establish what, what this looks like in real life. So I walk on the plane. Obviously, I felt afraid, right? It would be stupid for me not to feel afraid. But God says, do not be afraid. So that's, that's different, right? Do not be afraid. That's sort of who you are if you are afraid. But I'm a father, so that's part of my identity. It's part of the identity God's given me. And so if we look at that part of my identity, we go back and we look at uh, Genesis. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So if I'm taking the Bible seriously, which hopefully I am, if not, what's the point? I understand that as a father, part of my role is to give my children to God for his protection, to sacrifice them, if you will. Now, we know the end of this story. God provided a ram, all that. Well, he did the same thing in my story, and Ava's back there causing pure chaos, I'm sure, back in whatever class she's in. She was fine. There was no continuing um, symptoms or anything. So it was 
it was great, but I could have easily given in. I could have easily had whatever double or triple drink they had on Delta that day. And uh, the world would have said, oh, absolutely, you should. Circumstances say that you should. But that's not what God says, because that's not who I am. So here's the second one. Remember that date I was talking about, August 28th? So we get back and see this date, August 31st. We're just sort of getting recovered from all that, and we get a call that uh, Stephanie's grandmother has passed away. <clears throat> and so... You know, we hadn't really fully recovered from the Ava thing. And we said, well, geez, okay, we had to we have to pick up, go to Indiana. Uh, my wife's got this surgery coming up, which we're kind of stressed out about. And um, so I felt, obviously, I was sad. Uh, probably doesn't fully encompass it, but um, here's the thing. I... For one, I knew what her identity was. She was in Jesus. She played piano at church for years and years, which we now have her piano, which I'm super excited about. But, uh, you know, if you look, you see opening music, Tate Henshaw, closing music, Tate Henshaw. So I got the opportunity to play at the service and people told me, I don't know how you do that. How do you do that? Well, if I was to let my feelings dictate my actions, I wouldn't have done it. I would have said, no thanks, I'm too, too emotional, I'm too sad. But in Isaiah 43, 21, it says, they are the people I made for myself and they will sing my praises. So obviously I'm a worship leader. God's given me these certain talents and so because that's who I am, that's what I do. And it was a great experience, and I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I was able to minister to those family members and really remember Bonnie in the right way. So then, like I mentioned, we get back, and my wife's got this surgery coming up, and she the locks may be changed when I get home because I did not clear putting this picture on here. Maybe not. We'll see. Just remember your identity is one of forgiveness, honey. So this is, this is sort of the hardest one to talk about because, um, like I said, you could have been justified with the other two if I would have done something. And you kind of, in the crisis, you can do all these things. But she had surgery, this is September 16th, so we're just back. This is just, you know, things come as in threes, whatever people say, that's how this went. And she got home, she couldn't lift over 30 pounds for five weeks. There were other relational things that could not happen, let's just say. And so, honestly, as a husband, I'm feeling kind of selfish feeling like, why am I having to do all these kind of things? Why am I having to take the kids to school? Why am I having to put them to bed and 
give them baths and all this stuff. And not that I don't normally do that, uh, but obviously I have a partner to help me. Um, so I really got the sense of that Genesis 2.18, it's not good for the man to be alone kind of thing. But, so if I had followed my feelings, I don't know, I might, would I have not done it or there would have been friction and she would have been stressed out and all those kind of things. But obviously part of my identity is as a husband. And so it's, it's straightforward right here. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's pretty straightforward in that scenario. So that's what I did. And this, as we're wrapping up, as I was going through this, I thought, you know, feelings fail doesn't really encompass this message. It's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So then I figured out the end of it. Faith freeze. When you really get a hold of who you are and what your identity is, it frees you from those circumstances. It frees you from those ever-shifting sands, if you will. Your identity becomes that strong foundation for that tower like Paxton was talking about. So, just in closing, if you're in Jesus, your identity is set. It is set. You have no control over it. If you're not in Jesus, guess what? Your identity is set. You do have control over it, though. You can make a choice to come into God's family and get a new identity. If you're not, today's a good day to make that switch. Either way, wherever your identity is, when you leave this building, you control the choices that you make. Every time, every minute, every hour, every day. So my question to you is, will you be defined by your God-given identity or by your ever-shifting emotions? Thank you, guys. I appreciate you letting me stand up here before you. I will close us out in prayer as the team comes up to close us out. Father God, thank you so much for just impressing that message upon me. Lord, I thank you for each person that came today father I ask you to impress upon them who they are in you lord if they're not in you help them to make that decision and god help each of us who is in your family to act as if we're in your family so that those who are not would see it as something they want to be a part of Help us not to act contrary to our identity. Father, I thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace. I just put all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.